the lie that poetry tells is constant as the truth itself without the lies and the false beliefs where would we be where would we be welcome to the state of the theory podcast i'm hannah I'm an India. And we are your theory doctors. Welcome back. Hello. How have you been? Not bad. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Teaching's nearly over, so... Yes, end of semester. Yeah. And now's the time I cannot do research. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Tis the season. To be jolly. And watch Christmas ads online. Yes. Christmas ads. Um, are Christmas ads a thing outside Britain? Um, I can't speak for the rest of the world. I can speak for the United States. Yes. Christmas ads, not in the way that they are here. Although, to be fair, and we'll get to this later, the Christmas ad thing is really new. Yes. Um, despite seeming old. Yes. Like most tradition. So, I haven't actually been in the U.S. for Christmas yeah. time. Yeah. Pretty, probably for as long as there have been online Christmas ads. Um, but it's not quite the same. You were making this comparison. It's They're more like Super Bowl ads. Mm-hmm. Um, designed to go viral. Designed mm-hmm. to be watched by huge numbers of people over and over again. And released at specific time of the year. Yeah. So, so to, shall we... For those of our audience who don't haven't seen a Christmas ad, and we'll put some in the uh, comments or the description, um, what characterizes the British Christmas advert? There, my mom just just described them as a as a movie, the, a movie lit, yes, a film lit, yes. Um, they're cinematic, yes. They have a story, yes. There's a narrative arc, yes. Um, they are. They tend to fall into kind of genres. Yeah. To actually mm. more so now than previously, mm. um, and they are designed to be viewed online. Yes, and they're usually sort of designed to generate emotion. Right, it's they you you sort of you know crying or sort of emoting in some way, and it's about the heartfelt sharing. Like a movie. Coming together of Christmas. Yeah. Yes. They, they function more like a movie or a TV yes. show yes. than an ad. Yes. We, everyone's familiar with these. We watch them. Yes. You know, we... Yeah. Um, so, what do they make us feel? It depends on the ad. Yeah. Some of the ads make people of our political persuasions a bit nauseous. Mm. And some of the ads really work on us. Um, Some of them make me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Um, Some of them, some of them, I think, more than others are kind of unsettling at the same time. I think probably the most famous example of a, of a series of Christmas ads, certainly in Britain, is the John Lewis Christmas ad. So John Lewis uh, being a, a famous British departmental store, um, sells everything from 
beds to clothes and everything in between. Like your standard department store. Yeah. Um, and John Lewis Christmas ads have been going for, thinking, five, six years. Not very long. Not, I mean, maybe slightly longer, but n not much longer. And they've become part of a... They've become part of the British Christmas, you know, like along with Christmas TV specials and, you know, Christmas lights being turned on and Christmas markets. Boiled yeah. sprouts. And, yeah, people expect the, you know, there's a there's a waiting game as to when will John Lewis release their Christmas ad this year. Um, and I find it at once deeply disturbing and completely fascinating how quickly a tradition can... Uh, come into being. Um, this this notion that a particular shop, a particular brand has become such an intrinsic part of the national Christmas experience is both disturbing and fascinating. Yes, they generate comment pieces in newspapers, they generate um, debate and dissension and they generate lots of complaints from um, racist ladies frothing at the mouth. Yes, but they're also sort of like, you know, the, the, they also bring us together in, you know, through sort of particularly apolitical, uncritical uses of emotion. You know, we watch... We should probably sort of give examples of, of that. So, um, what's your favourite? Uh, what's my favourite? Um... So, um, the the current Waitrose ad, which is Waitrose is a subsidiary of John Lewis, which which sells uh, food. It's a grocery store. Groceries. Um, fancy grocery store. Fancy grocery store. And the current Waitrose ad is tells the story of a robin, uh, which is trying desperately to get back home, where it can partake of the mince pie that this very photogenic blonde white boy has left for it and it goes through all sorts of trouble and trauma and ends up in a storm and half drowned and then eventually it gets to the mince pie and then it meets its partner, uh, another Robin. And the tagline is Christmas is for, sh is for sharing. Because um, they're, they're sharing the mince pie. They're sharing their love over the mince pie. And it's, it seems to me a pretty classic example of what a Christmas ad does. Um, which is this construction of a coherent, uh, conflict-free, hierarchy-free group of humanity. You know, we are all human beings. We can all understand the symbolic importance of wanting to go back home. And because we can all understand it, we can be constructed into a community that buys products from Waitrose. Or, well, yes. yes. And, yeah. not or, and we are already a community that buys products yes. from Waitrose because Christmas ads, as we'll talk about in a bit, no longer sell specific products yeah. in the way that ads traditionally have done. They sell... 
something we already know to be true. Yes. They su- basically, this is the most kind of sociological, anthropological explanation. They sell ourselves to us. Yes. So we already shop at Weight Rose. Yes. We don't need the ad to make us go to Weight Rose yes. for the first time. We have a sh- we have a shared um, collective set of values around eating meals together. Yes. Or if you're a bird, you're relegated to eating your meal outside. Yes. Um, but you're going to have a blonde photogenic boy give you your meal because that's what you know. Our children are good to animals, and indeed, and we care. And but there, but weight rose is a part of it. Yes, they're not the end goal. They're just already a part of it. Yes, they're part of the sharing. Yes, because we've all been sharing all yes. year already. Yes, and it's just another way to celebrate together. Yes. And I think I mean you know we can be. We can come across as sort of snide and knowing and, you know, the ads are many things, but they're not subtle and we can see through the mechanisms of how that ad's working. But we should stress, I think, like everything we ever say on this podcast, is we are speaking from inside the system. Oh, like yeah. We, are, we, we might not shop at Waitrose, but we, you know, we buy things from many of the product companies that, produce Christmas ads, we certainly watch and consume Christmas ads, and we find ourselves emoting at Christmas ads. We find ourselves being moved while being deeply suspicious of the techniques and strategies that are being used to construct this magical, happy band of humanity. Um, But we, you know, we can... We can try to pull it apart and we can try to analyze what's being done, but we are not immune to its effects. Well, I think that's what um, all decent critical theorists would say makes us able to understand how they work. Yes. If if they didn't work on us, we would have no mechanism for understanding Mm. how they work on others. Um, But I think, I think, and I, I sort of sometimes find, and I've, you know, I did, I've done some research on adverts and I've write a little bit about on adverts. Um, and I, I find myself having to remind myself of that fact because um, I think in the, in the deconstruction process, in the taking apart of the advert, there is always the temptation that you are occupying a place outside of this and therefore it, you, from your superior academic vantage point you can see how these adverts might play a role in, you know, quote-unquote, the ordinary person. But it clearly doesn't play a role in your own shopping habits, which is ludicrous, because of course it does. Yeah, and the only reason we can say anything about it is because it does. Yes. You know, I think it's really important that we talk about the fact that we... we have the same feelings as everyone else. Yes. And we're consumers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are we ever consumers? My favorite Christmas ad this year, I think actually of all the Christmas ads I've ever seen, and um, it it says a lot to me about myself um, and how I am at my core always battling the white save the white lady savior tendency um, is the Amazon ad with the um, what is it? It's a Church of England minister. And a Muslim religious leader. I'm not sure if he's an imam or if he's a he's he's an educator of some variety. He's a community leader, but he's I'm not sure if he's an imam. Anyway, I don't think Amazon knows. Amazon, they're they're real. Yeah. 
And I liked this ad so much that when the interview that um, the, the Al Jazeera did with the two of them after the fact went viral, I watched it because I thought that they were, I assumed yes. that they were actors. Yes. Yes. They're not actors. Mm. They're real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're real. Um, they're, but they're genuine um, religious leaders yes. in Britain, and the if you haven't watched it, we'll put a link in. Have you seen it? No. You haven't seen no. it, ha! Huh. So the the premise yes. is they're two older men. Yes. Um, they are friends. Yes. They've been friends for a long time because they yes. have a shared job. They have a shared yes. role in society, and so they get together a lot. Yes. Um, and. They're visiting at one, at one's home, yes. and they're having tea, yes. and they're having yes. a chat, and they're discussing aging and things. But this is all music. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. all yes. me yeah, yeah, yes. overlaying yes. my yes. Yes. narration. And then they leave. They part ways. And then they each decide, I know what gift I'm going to give him. Yes. And so... The Amazon boxes yeah. arrive. Yeah. They go on, right? They're buying it on their smartphones, yeah. right? Yeah. Huh? Everyone, yeah. everyone loves an old man using a yeah. smartphone. Yes. Yes. Oh, they can use technology to yes. right? That ages yeah. them. Yes. Yes. And they, they each, the montage is them unwrapping their gifts from each other, and yes. they've bought themselves exactly the same thing. Yes. And their knee pads for when they kneel yes. at prayer. Yes. In their of and the because they've been talking about. How yes. their knees get sore. Yes. And it's so perfectly done for yes. post-Brexit Britain. Yes. And for the hideously Islamophobic yes. world that we live yes. in at the moment. Yes. And it is just... The, it, it, the timing was impeccable. And I'm not sure they even knew. Mm. Like, I don't know mm. how mm. far in advance this ad was made. Yeah. Um, I do know that they were, because people loved this, especially people of faith, um, a lot of British Muslims really loved this ad. A lot of British Christians really loved this ad. They got the two together. Yeah. They hadn't met, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they got the two together to talk. Al Jazeera did this. Yeah. And they they said Amazon auditioned a bunch of men. Yeah, yeah. But none of them could get the rapport. Yeah. But as soon as they had us get in a room and meet and start discussing, yeah. the story just came out because it was, they had already done it basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a really perfect story yeah. to extract from yeah. the sort of institutional and geopolitical context yeah. in which it happens. Yes. Um, because Amazon is not going to save us from racial and religious conflict. Yes. In fact, you yes. know, I'm not sure that they care too much. No. But the, it's so, for me, it's like, this is the, the Christianity that I remember from growing yes. up. Yes. This is like the, the, the perfect liberal white savior narrative. Yes. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. Yes. And hideous. And it's, I mean, it's, it's classic humanism, right? It's the humanist narrative. Yeah. Um, Explain. Go on. Okay. So, what do, when I, uh, I guess the, the classic text of humanism is an essay called The Great Family of Man by French theorist Roland Barthes, 
which is uh, part of a book called Mythologies. I don't actually know if we can't remember if we've used Mythologies before, but it is a brilliant book. We have. So we yes. discussed today earlier that that this is a a hearkening back. This episode is a hearkening back to our old format. Yes. Taking a small topic, yes. seemingly inconsequential, yes, and applying theory to yes. it. When we first started our very first episode, you opened with mythologies. Open with mythologies. You yes. opened with mythologies. Yes. It's a it's a brilliant book. It's probably one of my favorite theory books of all time. And in this essay, uh, Bart looks at a photographic exhibition called The Great Family of Man, which was a, a genuine photographic exhibition that went around the world. He saw it in Paris. Uh, and it's a series of photographs from around the world showing people giving birth, showing people having food, getting married, dancing, going to work, dying. And the idea is that around the world we all do this these same things and therefore we are all part of the same great family of man. We are all, you know, this, the, the, the notion of humanism stresses what we have in common. Now that's a very attractive sounding idea. It is actually a really hard idea to argue against. And that's part of its problem. Because what this notion of humanism does is to take away all politics out of the equation. There there are no hierarchies in this world. There is no sense that depending on where you are born, your chances of surviving are many times greater than not. Um, depending on where you are born, you know, the, the, the idea that you can choose who, you, who, who you're going to marry, if you're going to marry, is, is determined by where you're born, and so on and so forth. So Bart's point is that what we should be doing is we should be thinking about and contesting the hierarchies that divide us, rather than sort of magically wish away the hierarchies and indulge in this um, rather safe, uh, complacent idea that we are all the same underneath everything. So Bart is talking about this particular notion of the way in which uh, a magical unity is is created out of nothing. Um, I think what these ads do is to take this idea that Bart identifies, this, this trope of humanism, and what we might call commodify it. It becomes something that you can use to buy or sell. It becomes a product, as it were. Uh, we buy into, every time we watch this, th these ads and we feel ourselves tearing up, we are buying into this notion of humanism. Yeah, but it's, a no I mean, it works on the premise that we've already bought into it. Yes. So, for example, the John Lewis ad this year... Um, it's a black British family. Yes. Um, and, of course, one of the stories that, that made the news, because this is how, as we discussed in a previous episode, see the algorithm episode, news works by sowing discord and discontent. Um, a number of people have complained that there are too many black people in yes. the John Lewis ad. Yes. Um, Sainsbury, similarly, has a mixed-race family. Yeah. Um, so... To, for for those who are outside of the belief that all people yeah. have shared values yeah. and, and a shared yeah. Yeah. Um, experience of life yes. at the core, yeah. because there are those who don't believe that, yes. um, 
But for those of us who live within yeah. those tropes and ideals and grew up within mm. a kind of uncritical liberal yeah. framework or an uncritical conservative framework, yes. that is, we already have those values yes. sitting and, in us. I, and I guess that's the that's one of the questions of the moment, I think, which is when Bart is writing, and for most of my theoretical academic career, I have assumed that that liberal humanist position is hegemonic. That most, that the common dominant forms of belief is an uncritical, apolitical, universalist humanism. I don't know if that's still the case. Yeah. Post-Brexit, post-Trump. Have we, when was the last time we did a, an episode without mentioning that man's name? Or Brexit, or Brexit, right? Yeah, but you know, seriously, after given these events, given the rise of the far right across large parts of the world, you know, in India, many countries in Europe, I don't know if that form of liberal humanism is still hegemonic, or is it sort of the liberal elite that Trump supporters are attacking? It's a good question. I don't know if we have the knowledge to answer yeah. this because of the way that our social media bubbles yeah. work. I do... Th- presumably, market research is done. Yes. So I would assume that John Lewis has some idea of its audience. And I assume that Amazon except, has some idea of its audience. Ex- and I, I was thinking this... There was a couple of years ago... You mentioned the Super Bowl ads? Yeah. I think, was it last year or the year before Coke did a Super Bowl ad, ad featuring a gay couple parent? And... A super, and I think it was the same ad where the national anthem was sung. In yes, 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 yes. America for everyone. Yeah, and I remember thinking in the backlash to that ad, and I was wondering whether Coke made the calculation that yes, we are going to have a conservative backlash, but it doesn't matter because all of this ends up in more people talking about our ad and more people watching that. And in fact, conservative backlashes. Yes. Um, and indeed, liberal backlashes yeah. prompt over consum- periods of overconsumption exactly, from yes. the other side. Yes. So, jo- I mean, given the what seems to me and us, I think, a blatant truth that Coke or John Lewis or Amazon don't really care particularly whether Britain is or an America is racist or not. I think if it is true that what they care about is selling their product. If they've made the calculation that we will produce this ad, a certain number of people will, will attack us for being, you know, racist against white people or being too, you know, showing too many black people or being, you know, too gay or whatever. But it doesn't really matter because in the in the end, th- those complaints will mean more people will watch our ads, more people will buy our products, we win either way. Yeah. So... I don't know if, even in this post-Brexit, post-Trump world, even in even accounting for the backlash, what that does, what that says about a general consensus about the commonality of human beings. I think, too, that I'm not sure that there is necessarily a consensus. And I think even within individuals themselves, yeah, there yes. isn't a consensus here. So you hear... Um, you hear, for example, 
um, a number of British people who voted for Brexit um, for specifically reasons around immigration, um, which is the race reason, yes. then turn around and say they can't believe that Donald Trump was elected, Trump supporters are racist, yes. how could they be so terrible over yes. there in America? Yes. And there is a kind of, there's a battle mm. where inside yourself, advertising, films, television, yes. the media yes. that you consume that's fictional, yes. yes. And the media you consume that is news yes. conflict. Yes. And you can be at once mm. um, this anti-critical, yeah. um, depoliticized humanist. Yes. You know, I do, I'm not racist. You could be... Um, I don't see difference. I don't see difference. You could be black, white, or purple yeah, for yeah, all yeah, I care. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, the standard. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Why is it always purple? <laughs> the... Uh, it's it's that same logic, but then that same person mm. could turn around and say that this you know this mm. story that they read in mm. the Daily Mail or the Sun yeah. was true, yes. and talk about how refugees are swarming or yes. coasts, which or, you know is yeah. untrue. Yes. Um, and so it's the the. It exists individually, and it exists at the household level, and it exists mm. across mm. the the fictional narrative. Yeah. Is a sort of idealized picture of how, like I said before, I think yeah. I, it's us being allowed to consume an image of ourselves yeah. that we like. Yes, because we don't like to see ourselves as racist. We like to see ourselves as humanists. We like to see ourselves as accepting everyone. All of us? Not all of us, but I think... The majority of us. I think a lot... You know, and I'm thinking of the conservatives that I know, and I'm thinking of people who, you know, talk about things like immigration control as if it was a a real issue. Why they would speak to to me, who's subject to immigration control, about such things is is beyond me. But um, there is, I think... We do a disservice when we talk about individuals yeah. being racist or not racist yes. because everyone is at once both. Yes. And so what John Lewis and what Coke has been doing for interestingly that we've been discussing Coke yes. ads. Yeah. Coke started this yes. and Coke was doing it back when they could advertise on TV still. Yes. And you know, they're they're showing us images of idealized versions of ourselves. Yes. And we're allowed to consume an identity. Yes. And we consume that identity in the hopes that we will then live up to that identity. Yes. That we will exhibit it. That it will become ourselves. Yes. And, 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 and that identity is humanist and inclusive and, you know, diverse and all of those things. But it, it is also a, an identity as... Someone who drinks Coke and someone who buys their Christmas dinner from Waitrose and buys their Christmas presents from Amazon and so on, right? Yeah. The, the identity that we are being asked to live up to is an idea of, of, of the capitalist consumer. Exactly. But it's quite cyclical. Yes. Because we are already yes. those consumers. Yes. And what's interesting about the viral ad 
online is that it just reflects how we buy stuff. Yes. And it's not... The ads didn't come first online. Mm. Shopping did. Yes. So it's... It's the ads reflecting how we consume. Yeah. They, they use the mechanisms that we use to consume yeah. to purchase products and, and sell products, yes. right? You know, we sell our own crap on eBay. Yes. So the ads fit right in yes. to the technology, to the mechanism by which the market is now operating. Yes. For obvious reasons. Mm. We don't even really need to theorize it yes. more than that. Yes. I mean, I, 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 yes, it does. I've, I've been saying this for years. I think it is at once surprising and really unfortunate how little time those of us who think we are doing cultural studies spend studying adverts. The 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 sort of existing schol academic scholarship on advertising from from a cultural studies background is actually quite small. There are very few people who've written about this, and it's it's sort of at once advertising as a. I mean, it's not really a genre. It's sort of a, a you know a cultural object or, or you know a. a, a a type of cultural object which is at once so omnipresent and understudied. You know, we we never know who produces these adverts, we never know who directs them, we never, you know, they, they are completely anonymous. There's Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson has started directing ads yes. in the last couple of yes. years and that he's he's been famous for mm. putting his name yeah. and his style... Yeah. And his actors, yeah. his usual crew of actors, yeah. to them. Yeah. But that's really, that's really, really new. Yeah, and it's it's really rare. In most cases, you you have to do quite a lot of research. As you know, I know this because I've done a tiny amount to find out who made which advert. And quite often, because of the way the internet has worked, the place where you go to to see to watch most of these ads is YouTube. And as you were saying before we started, quite often you have to sit through another advert before you can get to the advert you're interested in watching. So you, you've got him sort of advertising on advertising. It's just horrific. It's absolutely bizarre. It's I, I find it really dystopian in yeah. some ways because yeah. it's... And yet we're, we still sit there and choose yes. to watch it. Yeah. We just sat here and watched the Sainsbury's football match, World War One, yeah. whatever they called it, ad together. Yeah, which was of course an ad designed for charity. So two years ago, Sainsbury's uh, British supermarket chain produced these adverts, um, which tells the very famous, sort of almost cliched, famous story of World War One, where the German British soldiers for one night played, started singing Silent Night and then played football across the trenches. Um, I think we might have mentioned this ad specifically when we did the commemorating yes. war episode with Sam Hadder from Stage Brother. Yes. Um, and Sainsbury's, what, the ad was produced in support of the Royal British Legion, which is the one of the charities that help uh, vet veterans. Um and for the poppy appeal, uh, which we've also spoken about before, and they, they 
a, a, a particularly sort of uh, fake faux antique chocolate wrap, wrapped chocolate bar featured as part of that vote. And Sainsbury's produced and sold those chocolates uh, with proceeds going to this particular charity. Um, and John Lewis selling his penguin. Yes. The year, the year of the penguin advert. Yes. So adverts are, in some cases, actively going, turning around, and products featured in the advert. Adverts are being sold because they're featured in the adverts. But generally, as I think you mentioned earlier, um, these adverts aren't explicitly designed to sell you any specific particular product. They're designed to sell you the brand, right? The reason why John Lewis produces Christmas adverts every year is so that John Lewis, as has now happened, so that John Lewis can become an integral part of the British Christmas. It's not about John Lewis selling you a particular fridge or a particular you know, dining table or whatever. It's more ephemeral than that. It's more intangible than that. It's John Lewis becoming a British national institution. Becoming a part of your family. Yeah. Like how the Ford Model T mm. did. Yes. What, like a hundred years ago yes. now? Something yeah. like that? And becoming a specific part of Christmas. Yeah. So, you know, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without the John Lewis ad, even though it has only existed for five years or whatever. And you, you hear it said so many times, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without the John Lewis advert. Which is really weird, because I remember a time when my life was blissfully free of the John Lewis and Christmas Christmas was advert. still Christmas. It, indeed it was. Yes. Christmas wasn't Christmas without an advent calendar. Um, basically chocolate. Christmas wasn't Christmas without um, a midday meltdown on mm. my part. Um, there's. We were talking before about how mm. these ads sell... Yeah. They sell a particular ideal about, not just about us as consumers, but also about how Christmas is, that it's delightful. Yes. And fun. And family. And, and family oriented and families all get along. Yes. And for, I mean, for, for those of us whose parents have been divorced their whole lives, yes. that is not what my, no. and no, you know... It's only recently that a Christmas ad has has yeah. shown me a non-traditional family. But I, I think that's really important, though, and, and that's the fact that whatever non-traditional family format you can come up with, the Christmas ad can adapt and include that. It can. Some of them do. Yeah, and and I think that is that says. Um, that says so much about the way capitalism works. Capitalism can eat anything. and It's like Pac-Man. Yeah. Any, anything can get be turned around and made into something you can sell. Um, which seems particularly relevant given the debates about identity politics we've been having over the last few weeks. Yes. Um... And this is not to denigrate identity politics anyway. I think it has a very important role now more than ever. But it is also worth bearing in mind that 
it is very easy for capitalism to appropriate and neutralize and neutralize pretty much any social movement based on identity yes and it it has done so very successfully because of course the you know the the amazon ad yeah. is certainly not going to protect a mosque from an arsonist no. for example yes indeed if you know amazon would presumably as long as it was done silently would not have particular problems if an arsonist buys their supplies from amazon in order to burn a British mosque down. Yeah, they distance you know, they, 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 they wouldn't care. Yeah. Not, nothing to do with us, we're just selling stuff. It's also interesting, there's a sort of, um, you know, the Mitt Romney quip <laughs> about corporations yeah, being people, people too. Yeah. They, ads make us think that, yeah. the, that these corporations are people yes. and that they function as people. Yes. So they make these ads, but then... They, they're open long hours and they deliver yeah. for extra time. And, yeah. of course, the people who are delivering our groceries, the yes. people who are closing up John Lewis, who yes. are restocking the floor, yes. who are working in the big yes. warehouses, yes. who are driving... Deli- yes. You know, the, these are all people whose Christmases are more and more squeezed yes. by the kind of rampant commodification yes. of, of Christmas. Yes. War on Christmas. No, I, I didn't mean that. Seriously, that was ironic. Um, but there, but there's more and more people's lives and their ability to, to even celebrate holidays yeah. are being cut short mm. by the way that capitalism works. Yes. So it's really insidious. And because a large proportion of those people are being convinced that this magical humanity that has been constructed is something they're part of. Right, you know, so the person, the person who spends, who's who's working till sort of midnight on Christmas Eve, and then has to go back to work on Boxing Day because you know Boxing Day sales are now are now a thing. Will probably, if they can afford it, buy products from the same shop they're working in, because that's what you do at Christmas. Yeah, we are all consumers, so it's sort of magically constructing the corporation as a human being and restructuring all our lives in relation to that entity. Cheery. Happy holidays, kids. This was meant to be a fun Christmas episode. Yeah, this is our feel-good episode. Yes. But we're going to do part two of Christmas. Where we are going to be talking about charities and charity adverts, which is not going to be any cheerier. That sounds delightful. Um, I think we're done. Yeah, tell us what we missed. Yeah. Tweet your favorite Christmas ad at us. (laughs) We should do like a top five list of Christmas ads. Yeah, a little listicle. Yes. Um, Yeah. Um, We will see you next week. Uh, let us know what you think rate us review us on iTunes or wherever you get our podcast from tell your tell tell your Brexit voting parents about us yes Uh, share us on at the Christmas dinner Uh, (laughs) and we'll see you next time take care bye bye we hope you enjoyed this episode I have been Hannah Fitzpatrick. And I have been Anindya Vichardry. You can contact me on Twitter at Dr. H. Fitz. And me at Dr. Anindya R. 
Our music was provided by the agrarians, and this has been the State of the Theory. Thank you. Where would we be? Where would